this year. <gasps> oh my gosh, an Out of This World series is coming to Disney Channel. <laughs> A new series for anyone who's ever felt... Giant head, Finley limbs, face bumps. What the heck are you and where did you come from? Out of place. She's hideous. I'm a human being and I come from another world. Uh, one minute I was in my world and the next thing I knew I was here. I just had the craziest dream. I was trapped in a world of frog feet. Oh. Join Anne as she adjusts to life in their world. Over here, Toro, Toro. And they adjust to her. We need something no one in the swamp has ever seen before. I don't know what it is, but I love it. While making her feel right at home. Maybe it's harmless. Amphibia. Watch it on Disney Channel. Up top. Oh boy, that's gross. Welcome, one and all, to a very frog-tastic episode of the podcast without a cool acronym. The podcast where we review Disney television animation shows. I'm your host, Sharon Ladero Shea. Joining me on the podcast today via Zoom, we have Diego Lacamara. Hello. And Deagle. I don't know if I'm a lover or a dreamer, but I'm definitely me. (laughs) So, we're not talking about the Muppets today, although um, Kermit the Frog was a guest star on an episode of this show, sort of like they, they did a similar thing to um, Big City Greens, where Big City Greens had Fozzie guest star on an episode. Waka waka. Which, of course, really means that Eric Jacobson guest starred on Big City Greens and by translation. And into the box, my cat goes. Ah. Uh. <laughs> Let's go into the box. That's fine. Okay. Nice. Uh, uh, my phone. Um, okay. There we go. Um, editing. But yeah, yeah, editing. <laughs> but yeah, um, um, Kermit, do, do you really think that when they were doing that guest spot that they had Matt Vogel actually doing the puppet for Kermit? I would be astoundingly disappointed if <laughs> Kermit wasn't in front of that microphone. <laughs> Nice. Uh, I mean, I'm sure. I'm sure they. They. I, I know they probably brought him there to do like the the promotional stuff. Did they? I think they did. Maybe. Uh, but anyways, um, that was in season two. Anyways, so we're way far from that. We're talking mm-hmm. about the first episode of Amphibia today. Yep. Amphibia. Yeah. Which, because I'm Yay! not watching it with anyone who hasn't seen it before, I didn't have us do the preconceptions and postconceptions because it's a pilot episode and we've all seen it already. Mm-hmm. And it is a fantastic show. So, of course, the basic story of Amphibia, for those of you who are listening who might not have started watching it yet, it's the story of a 13-year-old girl named Anne who finds herself in the world of Amphibia, which is an alternate dimension or something. Other world, we don't quite know exactly what it is, other than that just it's an entirely different place from the Earth that she's from. Yep. And mm-hmm. it's, it's inhabited by 
frogs and toads who are basically the people of the world, but then also like a lot, a lot of creatures and, and monsters and a lot of things that could get you killed. I gotta say this uh, this vacation destination is a little is off to a little bit of a rough start. Rough yeah. start. So we should probably talk about the origins of the show really quick. Um, the show is created by Matt Braley. Really? Did I pronounce that correct? If by some miracle Matt Braley is actually watching or listening to this podcast, um, be sure to correct our our mistake on this. Yes. One. Also, Matt Braley, <laughs> if you're listening to this podcast, we'd love to have you on sometime. Yeah. yeah. We had Swampy Marshall on the show. It would be really cool to have you come on. Um, but anyways, and, and this goes for anyone who's worked on any of the shows we've talked to. If you want to come on the podcast, DM me. Let me know. I'd love to have you. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but anyways... Uh, Matt Braley also directed um, a lot of episodes of Gravity Falls and Big City Greens. Which you can kind of tell because um, Gravity Falls is definitely definitely an influence on the show. You can just feel the fingerprints of Gravity Falls all over Amphibia. Gravity Falls was a huge influence to DuckTales 2017 and also Amphibia and the Owl House. Um, But the other big influence that this show had was um, a lot of Thai influence, actually, because um, Anne herself is um, is Thai. It's mentioned um, later on when the flash is back um, that she has like a traditional um, Thai snack that her mom made for her because it's her birthday. I'm not sure if that's if that flashback happens in season two or season one. That happens season towards one. the end okay. of season one. Um, okay. well, Brenda Song and Matt Bradley are both half tied, although neither knew that fact about the other mm. until so- until Brenda Song auditioned for the role, so that's cool. Mm. Um, very cool. The humid, lush world of amphibia is inspired by Bradley's childhood summer spent in Bangkok. Bradley remembers stepping out of the plane and into the steamy tropical weather, a sharp contrast to that of his hometown of Sacramento, California, and hearing his cousin speaking Thai more fluently than he could. Every summer would start with an unshakable fish-out-of-water discomfort, he recalled, much like Anne's when she first landed Amphibia. But this amazing thing would happen every summer where, by the end of the trip, I wouldn't want to leave, he added. This sensation of getting to a new place, getting very uncomfortable, and slowly but surely adjusting was a sensation I wanted to bottle up for my own show. Anne's feral appearance, uncombed hair speckled with twigs and leaves, is based off of a picture of Braley's grandmother as a child. Thai culture is also front and center on the show. One episode, which we're not talking about in this episode, but we'll probably come back to, um, called Lily Pad Thai, revolves around opening a restaurant complete with frogified versions of Pad Thai, the sweet and savory mm. noodle dish. And I gotta say, if you can find a good Pad Thai near you, savor it. It's Ooh, very yeah. good noodles. Yep. Yeah, I don't think I've ever actually had Pad Thai That's before, really but I need good. to. I've been meaning to, to try some. I know um, Bento, I think has that in addition, in addition to some really good sushi. They have, they have like kind of a, Bento is kind of a grab bag of a whole bunch of different um, Asian cuisine. And it's like actually really good on like a lot of places where they throw a bunch of stuff together like that. And it's kind of just okay. Mm. Like, oh, we have sushi and Chinese food. It's like, yeah, but those come from two different places. So I hope you <laughs> understand that. Although of course, if you're a California person like me, um, big name restaurants are all well and good but it's the little hole in the wall places where the magic happens so if you can find a little hole in the wall thai place you are in for a good night Mm -hmm. yeah 
Yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't know so much about Thai stuff, but I know with like Chinese food, it's 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 been kind of a challenge to find a good Chinese place around here. But we actually did find one we really like finally. So I'm like, that's good. nice. Because a lot of the places around here, they're not bad, but they just kind of all taste the same. Um, but I have had like uh, um, Volcano Bay actually had a really good um, coconut curry chicken, which is fantastic. Nice. Which that's curry, mm. so that's more kind. Of, that's more kind of Indian influence. But we're getting kind of off topic here. <laughs> so the show itself, like we said, and lands in amphibia and has no idea where she is. Uh, and ultimately gets taken in by the planter family and it's a whole bunch of adventures from there. One thing that's kind of interesting is there's some early concept art of the show that um, is floating around out there that looks very different. And obviously a lot changed from that to the version of the show that we got. Have you guys seen that? Do you know what I'm talking about? Um, I haven't. I haven't yet, but... Yeah, let me pull um, that up. Um, art. Uh, oh, yeah. I think, yeah, just go look Go look for Amphibia, Amphibia concept art. Is it the one that sort of looks like uh, Hilda? Yeah, I was just going to say, the biggest thing is that um, in the original concept art, Anne had, like, almost blue, kind of green, slightly greenish hair. I'm like, okay, so she looks like hmm. either Hilda and or Nikki from Camp Camp. So I'm like, hmm. I kind of, I kind of understand why they ended up because I think Hilda probably came out around the time that this would have been made, and then they're hmm. like, oh, um, <laughs> yeah, maybe we change, we maybe we change this design. So it's kind of like uh, how uh, Pixar, uh, um, how uh, a Pixar uh, a company in Blue Sky, RIP, by the way, um, uh, uh, sort of made like the same concept, like, uh, oh, sorry, like uh, Rio and uh, Alpha and Omega and Newt. And then, I don't know. Well, Hilda had existed hmm. for a long time as a, as, a, as a book series before it ever got picked up as a show by Netflix. So uh, I think this could just be a coincidence because there's enough that's different. But still, I think the, the older look of the show looks more... I mean, it does look a lot like Hilda. So, And the proportions are, are much... Anna is much bigger compared to how it is in the show where the frogs are much bigger and their their towns and everything are much bigger, which I think I think um, came out of necessity of, well, she needs to be staying with them. How is she staying with them if everything is like, you know, a third or a fourth of her size? Yeah, it's just like that opening scene from The Fellowship of the Ring where Gandalf is stumbling around Bag End and just hitting his head on the chandelier and the beams of the roof of the house. Yeah. But yeah, I got the concept art right here, and um, it feels a lot more round, a lot more, um, a, lot, a lot more soft and circular, rather yeah, than. I think, I think what they ultimately went with for the show, where it's more wild and untamed, I think fits it a lot better mm. because it is a much, yeah. it is, it is pretty wild and um, untamed. Going to the actual episode, um, so of course the whole thing starts off with. Um, the first episode starts off with Wally leaving the, presumably it's like a ta it's like the tavern or whatever. It's Stumpy's, right? That's what he's leaving. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and he goes off and 
ends up encountering what he thinks is a monster and then takes like all night to run back to the town which i'm like how did it take him that long it took him like it took him like five minutes to get out there but it took him all night to get back he took the long road uh, apparently yeah <laughs> he, you know warning the town of a monster that's not like urgent or anything yeah the, the, my brain is saying oh he's probably zigzagging through the forest to lose the monster so to speak and my joke yeah. brain is going eh, he uses google maps I like how <laughs> I like how they did it, did it where they decided to not have us follow the immediate chain of events that led and into Amphibia. They kind of show that in the um, the theme song that plays before every episode, of course. But mm-hmm. then we immediately start with Wally and then actually get to meet the planters, which I think is kind of a uh, much more cinematic way to start it and i like that yeah. Um, oh, yeah. it, it feels it, it feels much more like okay this is the, the you know we're we're gonna meet these characters and get to know them because they're the ones that live in this world and then we're gonna meet and who's the fish out of water yeah or i guess the frog out of water yeah something like that i like how in the establishing shot of the town during the day the town is shown to be like ours, but also like still really dangerous, but like casually to the point where someone gets grabbed by uh, some sort of flying insect creature and everyone else just goes about their business. Yeah. That John Mulaney clip. Yep. Same stuff as usual. Same stuff as usual. Uh, yeah. No, I guess <laughs> if it was a giant mantis, like we'll see later um then the whole town would freak out and actually like band together to fight master mantis from kung fu panda snapped (laughs) but if but if it's just one guy getting nabbed by a mosquito it's like well i guess they're dead now bye Bye. i mean you have to imagine people die in this world on a pretty regular basis and that kind of brings me to this show has a really morbid sense of humor and i really like that i think the owl house has some of that too Yep. You know, the, watch that. The, we've come a long way from where they couldn't actually, like, well, I mean, I guess they still can't show anyone actually dying, but, like, they they basically kind of had to throw a lampshade on all the, all the innocent random people that got killed when the Death Star exploded in Phineas and for Star Wars. They're just like, oh, no, they're fine. <laughs> they're fine. The, the, fi- the Firestar girls got them out earlier. We're okay! <laughs> Yep. Um, yep. I mean, but then we also had like some some aliens actually die in Candace against the universe. <laughs> We're inconsistent. Well, I mean, that was Disney Plus, so the rules are different there. You ah, characters okay. can actually die on Disney Plus. Okay. And Disney get this actually death. on Disney Plus, a couple of the X-Men movies where they drop the F-bomb. So it is possible to get that Ooh. on Disney Plus. Interesting. That's spicy. Uh, <laughs> You'll it's okay. Never we also hear. have the family-friendly cut where we don't drop the F-bomb. Uh, <laughs> you will never hear that on an episode of Amphibia. You'll never hear, you know, Paw Planter just snap. <laughs> Wait, I'm himself. alone. I can swear for real. <laughs> Son of a... <laughs> I'm a... Well, hey, everybody. I'm Gunther, and I'd like to say... <laughs> <laughs> oh hey, Gunther's back. Gunther, hey. how have you been? 
Well, I've been trying. I've been doing good. I had some uh, very good. Uh, I have had thanks for, for thanks for Micaiah Hirsch for make for animating me on Escape from Vault Disney. That was very kind of him. Yeah, for those of you who don't uh, remember, this is Gunther. He was on an episode of Escape from Vault Disney. Um, he he exists. I do. Well, it was lovely seeing us. It was lovely talking to y'all. Have a good day, everybody. Okay, bye, bye Gunther. Gunther. Bye. I hope you like the Incredible Hulk. Oh, well, I, I talk to him a lot. We're, you know, have a lot of common with him. Okay, bye. Bye. <laughs> we'll never see him again. Yeah, Should have figured uh, the Disney comment. Note, Gunther died on the way back to his home planet. <laughs> yeah, we're not, uh, we're, uh, we're banning. I'm sorry, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I should have figured the Disney commissary, the Disney commissary is a lot like the Warner Brothers commissary and Looney Tunes back in action. Just all these characters just chilling out, Hulk and Gunter talking at a table. I'm just reminded of that one scene in Deadpool 2 where he's like, this house is huge. Where is everyone else? And they just casually close the door with all the other X-Men hanging out in there. Uh, Boy, that would be yeah. awkward on Disney Plus, wouldn't it? <laughs> They'll, they'll put Once Upon a Deadpool on Disney+. Plus. <laughs> Why do you think they did that? They're like, well, shoot, we're getting bought by Disney. We need to see if it works. And if it works. And to their credit, I think it really does. I think PG-13 Deadpool, when it's edited down to being PG-13, is not as funny as R-rated Deadpool. But PG-13 Deadpool that knows that he's PG-13 is just as funny as R-rated Deadpool. It's all about the writing, really. Yeah. I think it, I think he can still be funny. He doesn't have to be explicitly R-rated for it to work, as long as he knows that he's not explicitly R-rated and can lampshade that fact. Yeah, yeah I I think that's a really uh, key factor to making Deadpool in a non-R-rated environment, like they did in the Ultimate Spider-Man cartoon, which is not very good. But the Deadpool episode they did, he's kind of continually dancing around the concepts of you know killing and you know swords and whatnot because you know he's on the disney channel right you know what else they did on the ultimate spider-man show for some reason they did a halloween crossover episode with i shit you not jesse what yeah they did a crossover episode with jesse the sitcom with debbie ryan oh yeah, that's, for those of you who don't know, Jesse is a, um, uh, I'll, I'll put it mildly and say it's not a very good show. I, I do not like it. It's the, the thing with Jesse that blows me away, I think Dave summed this up best when we were talking about it, is that the characters are always sunny levels of mean to each other, but it's like they're kids. You know, they're kids just, just constantly throwing insults at each other. It's like, why are they all so, why do they all act like they hate each other most of the time? Eh, sounds like public high school to me. <laughs> well, yeah, but they're supposed to be a, uh, they're supposed to be, the, the four of them are supposed to be a family. Yeah. It's four kids, um, not to be confused with four kids of the company. No. But, um, anyways, anyways. Uh, <laughs> after, uh, yeah. So back to Amphibia. Um, so, of course, um, we meet Hop Pop and Polly and Sprig, the planter family, of course. Yep. Um, and 
they're um, going and running errands and Hop Hop decides for whatever reason, obviously to move the plot along, that he needs to go into the store by himself while um, Sprig and Polly wait in the cart. It's honestly kind of the same energy of every parent that's ever wanted to leave their kids out in the, out in the car while they quickly run a couple errands. But don't do that because don't leave your kids in a hot car. They could die. Right. Right. Yeah. But anyways, it's an out it's an outside cart. So there's no issue with leaving them out there for a few minutes other than just it being irresponsible. And to that point, Hop Pop puts Polly in charge. Polly is the little polywog, of course. Um Sprig is not a fully grown frog, but a kid, of course. Mm-hmm. And is like what do you mean polly's just a baby and by the way polly is just the best i love polly so much yeah and that does kind of bring up a good question who is everyone's favorite planner sprig I, I love sprig but i also love polly i think they're both great i think i think the the two of them together especially like when, like when you know there, there's one episode in season two where they're arguing constantly and they're um um Hop, pop, and Anne like kick them out and make them go through Quarrelers Pass. Mm. <laughs> and the the two of them, um, the two of them going back and forth is really fun. They're they're I, I always love a good brother sister pair on a show, and they're no exception to that. Yeah. Oh yeah. I guess yeah. I love Hop Pop not just because it's Bill Farmer, the voice of Goofy, doing him, yes. but because he's. Yeah. I guess he has such uh, such a personality to him. Like he's still kind of just as weird and off kilter as everyone else, even though he's like this the seasoned you know um, authority figure. Oh, he's absolutely. not quite a not quite a, gr- a Grunkle Stan XP. He's a little nice, more sir. grandfatherly than Grunkle Stan, I guess. That's one thing that gives um, this show kind of some Gravity Falls energy. Is literally everyone in the town is weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's great. Everyone has their their thing, you know, very much like yeah. Gravity Falls. Yeah, like all um, just a, uh, a wacky, unique bunch of characters, <laughs> including some people, some characters from Gravity Falls or alternate characters. Yes, like uh, Mirror Toadstool, played by the same voice actor who plays uh, Bud Gleeful. Yep, and uh, don't uh, don't touch his sli- don't touch his stapler. Mm-mm. Yes, don't touch his stapler. Oh, Although I love and... that his toady. I love that his toady, who is actually named Toady, is Jack McBrayer. Yes, he of is course, Jack McBrayer. The Wander man who is too himself. pure for this world. Wander yep. himself. <laughs> That's just I, great. I cannot get enough of Jack McBrayer in anything. So anything where he's in it, even a small role, is just perfect. Yep. Now I can kind of see why you didn't like Ralph Breaks the Internet all that much because he was barely in it. Yeah, he was barely in it, and I mean it was okay, but it's it was not nearly as good as the first one. Uh, yeah. Actually, Honestly, I want to cool see the see. I want to see the movie where Felix and Calhoun were actually forced to like take care of the kids from Sugar Rush. Mm. Mm. I, I want to see the movie where they're actually forced to be parents because it's like it's implied but that we never actually see it happen. <laughs> Although what I'd love to see is 
we all know the big scene of, you know, Vanilla B going to the Oh My Disney website and seeing all the cool stuff because corporate synergy. Mm-hmm. I would have loved to have seen a Disney Channel pavilion where they have all the Disney animated uh, uh, cartoon characters running around. Oh my gosh, that would have been amazing. Right? Yeah. No, I'm sad. This is why we can't have nice things. Hey, I can't hate the movie because I got my Tron reference. I'm happy. There's Tron. Yeah, that's true. We did get a Tron <laughs> reference. That's that's always a good thing. And it became a vital plot point later, which is <laughs> yay me. <laughs> of course, Tron wasn't referenced in my Disney website. That was just referenced because it's an old arcade game, too. An old arcade tie-in game, which is, you know, all the more interesting since you know movie tie-in games usually but tron light cycles is still super fun i love tron light cycles Mm -hmm. that's a fun game um will have me on this show for uprising of course course. yes of course (laughs) um how would you like to have a no expenses paid trip to come visit me in florida when the ride opens hell freaking yes Woo! Every time someone asks me what it's like, what are they building over there? I'm like, oh, that is going to be Tron and it's going to be amazing. They're like, oh, Tron, that's cool. It's a roller coaster where you ride light cycles. Like, are so you kidding be light me? Cycles? I'm like, yeah, it's going to be light cycles. And the soundtrack is Daft Punk. Yes, rest in peace, yeah. Daft Punk. They're not dead, they just broke up. Yeah, but yeah, uh, yeah but their legacy. But, yep. Their legacy. The legacy will live on. Yes. The real royalty that ended, unlike uh, the the other one that died today that I could care less about. Oh, okay. um, this has been your topical reference of the podcast. I was just I was just gonna say I thought he was dead three weeks ago. <laughs> I'm like so someone else was like yeah he's been dead for the past like ten years honestly. Uh, it's uh. Basically, uh, he's the guy that constantly says, I'm not dead. I'm, I'm not real dead happy. <laughs> well, now he's dead. You whacked him on the head. Well, now he's dead. Da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. Uh, but back to Amphibia. Take a shot. <laughs> yep. Um, I love Sprit. Uh, I, I, what's fun is that I, um, you know, I, Obviously, I watched uh, the Gunther episode, but rewatching the first episode again is um, so basically, yeah, a friend of mine, uh, you know, has seen all the show and is like, it's the greatest show ever. I want you to see, <laughs> see it. And it's like, so I saw more of it. And it's like, I just, and I just said, just like, oh my God, you're Sprig. You're just, <laughs> yeah, sorry. I guess I forgot to do per, uh, personal connections, but it's kind of like, well, this is a newer show, so it hasn't been like it hasn't been around for too long. I mean, personal connection. I personal connection. I saw it on Disney Plus. Said, yeah, worth a shot. Saw the first season. Immediately got hooked. <laughs> yeah, I remember. I was watching every episode when it came out for season one. I'm not uh, like I'm not completely caught up on season two, but I'm I plan on fixing that on Monday. which is good because i'm not either and i'm avoiding spoilers like the plague the way that my schedule is the way that my schedule is it's hard for me to actually get caught up on shows on days that are not my weekend because either i'm 
sleeping or trying to do something else or mm -hmm. i'm already at work and then not really doing anything else for the rest of the day so or or where i get tasked with helping make dinner so yeah, yeah. but anyways um so yeah. Of course, Wally comes running to the town and um, the town immediately forms a mob. And what else are small towns for? Yep, of course. Um, and also there's a fun montage where um, Spurgy's like, what do you mean I'm not responsible? And it shows <laughs> uh, a few different things that Sprig did that were um, dumb mistakes, like um messing with the food on the stove and causing hot liquid to go everywhere mm -hmm. <laughs> um riding something through the wall was one of them and also of course leaving the lights on so that a bunch of basically giant moths come and attack the house the prequel to to mothra's standalone movie Yes. Like I said, this world is like stupid dangerous and everyone's just kind of like, oh, well, we're just living with that, knowing that we could die any second. It's okay. Go alone, I guess. Yeah, they take a lot in stride like they work at a retail outlet. That's amazing. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, that we're, we're attractions during a pandemic. Mm hmm it's okay. I could die at any moment. It's fine. No, I'm not. Gonna, uh, it's not that bad. But this is fine. It's perfectly fine. The same kind. Of, yeah, it's the same kind of like. Oh, this is fine energy where it's like, well, I can't do anything about this, so I'm just gonna do the best that I can and hope that everything works out. Nice. I get paid either way, right? I get yeah. paid either way, unless I die, and then I'm dead. I don't have to worry about it. Yep. Um. And Sprig has the brilliant idea of, well, hey, if I go capture this monster. Let me do that again. But Sprig has this idea of, well, hey, if I go capture this monster, then I'm going to be the town hero. Um, and Polly's like, no way. Hop Pop said to stay in the car. And you know you can't take me. And she does this thing where she like... Just her muscles, and it looks really weird, but it's funny because <laughs> it's like pa Polly is is the baby, but she's also like super intense, of course, and, and she's hilarious, and I love her. Yep. She's like if you somehow fused Mabel and Webby and condensed that all into a ball. I, I will say we talked about um, Tilly and how Tilly must be protected at all costs. Yeah, mm -hmm. um, Polly doesn't need protection. She's good. She's got it. If anything, we're protecting the world from Polly. Yes, protect the world from Polly. <laughs> uh, but of course, her weakness is candy, and Sprig bribes her with a whole bunch of it. And yeah, one of my favorite like little things is that when she eats the candy, she makes like Pac-Man noises. Um, Bribing little kids with candy. That's almost like a certain scene from a certain Marvel show that just had its uh, fourth episode this week. Hmm. Watch Disney Plus. <laughs> yes. Yep. I'm not kind of a Falcon and Winter Soldier. I'll just keep things vague. 
Yeah. Um, but anyways, <laughs> so of course, Sprig goes off into the woods and of course ends up getting caught by a stair trap that was set by Anne. Um, so so of course we know that Anne is pretty resourceful on her own because she was able to do that. With no junior woodchuck guidebook, no less. Yeah. Anne, of course, thinks that Sprig was the one that was following her, but it wasn't. It was actually probably was it Wally that was following her then? I guess. I guess. No. Sprig's like, I have bad news for you. I taste terrible. And Anne's like, I'm not gonna eat you. Did you try to eat Wally? No, I tried to ask Wally for help. He ran off the second he saw me. Yeah, that does sound like Wally. And so, mm-hmm. of course, um, Sprig and Anne end up becoming um, friends very quickly. And I love I love the, the bond that they have. Again, it, they're not actually siblings, but it's very much a, a kind of a sibling bond. Uh, it's sort of a sibling bond by way of a best friend you just met at summer camp. Yeah. Kind of, kind of bond. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they, they quickly become friends. Um. Sprig um, gathers a bunch of food for her to eat that's not bugs, and it's pretty good. So that, that's another thing is it's like, um, you know, in this world, yeah, you can go buy stuff at the store, but also, like, you can just go walk outside and eat, basically. Kind of the advantages of being a frog, I guess. Which the natural disadvantage is being a picky eater as a frog, because if you zap something you don't like, it's kind of stuck on your tongue for a while, you know? Uh, yeah. And, uh, yep. I still just think that for um, Food and Wine or Festival of the Arts or something, they could totally do a tie-in um, food booth for Amphibia where they could have lily pad thai and pillbug pancakes and stuff like that. Sorry, did you mean a tie-in? Ah! Uh, waka waka! <laughs> Can I go and do another set? No, uh, no, no, uh, just, uh, no, no, just, uh, no. <laughs> no, it was just the one episode, Fozzie. Oh, come on. I feel like I have to get just one good pun in on every episode you invite me on. Of course. Uh, <laughs> and Anne's like, so what are you doing out here anyway? Spurgeon's like, I'm proving, I'm, I'm proving that I'm responsible. Oh, yeah, how? And Sprig's like, oh, crap, I was going to capture her, wasn't I? <laughs> and, of course, right at that moment, the mob finds them. But, but well, but a little bit before that, Hop Pop realizes that Sprig is missing and that Polly is, um, shall we say, having a sugar crash. And, hey, that's another uh, good hangover analog that we have. Yes, of course. I don't have a candy problem. You have a candy problem. And so the whole mob goes out into the forest and captures Anne. And uh, one thing I didn't mention was that Sprig was stuck in the snare trap and um, Anne was going to leave him, but then comes back and rescues him. And that kind of that kind of comes back when um, Anne is tied up. And then a giant grasshopper shows up. Not a grasshopper, a mantis. I was about to say, a giant grasshopper. Hope he's not Kevin Spacey. Hmm. No. A giant mantis shows up, 
And the whole mob of frogs is like, all right, everybody, mantis formation. And they do this, like, basically frog pyramid thing, more or less. And mm-hmm. they think it scares the thing away. The only, the only good, the only well-intentioned pyramid scheme. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> except for pyramid sports. Yeah. Yep. But then it's like, oh, no, there was another bigger bug that scared it away. Oh, yeah, that makes much more sense. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone else immediately runs off or, or at least runs and, and hides leaving basically just leaving um, the planters to take care of it specifically Sprig does Sprig and Anne do most of the work to take it down um, Sprig Sprig basically does the uh, you ever seen that really old movie Empire Strikes Back maneuver <laughs> You ever seen that really old movie, Empire Strikes Back? He he runs around and ties up the the giant. Is that one still a mantis or is that something else? And big old screw you bug. Yeah, basically. Um. Oh, the other thing that I mentioned was, or uh, the other thing I have in my notes is that when um, Sprig high fives and uh, I was thinking that's that slime. It's mucus. <laughs> You're a great mucus. Uh, what if um? Oh, what if um? What if Doctor Facilier didn't die and just transported here? Oh. Hmm. Well, actually, you're not far off. Huh. Oh. Hi. Oh, thank you. Two of them are king size, but they'll always cover your pillow, so you can use. Yes. Thank you. Um, you're actually not far off because the voice actor that played Dr. Facilier is in this show. Oh, that's right. He plays the King Newt. Oh, so yes, you're correct. Dr. Facilier did get transported here. That is a valid headcanon. Nice. (laughs) Although if we want to go down the tinfoil, uh, hat rabbit hole thing, I, I kind of nerded out and remembered, uh, Bill Cipher's last message in, Gravity Falls right before he left. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was spelling out A-X-O-L-T-O-L, I think. Yep. And then when we get to season two, the kingdom has these little um, um, amphibious creatures with like little uh, tentacle feelers on their heads that are called axodals. Oh. So I'm not saying we should prepare for a Gravity Falls amphibia crossover, but you know, what if... Well, that also already. <laughs> well, yeah, we had the, we had Alex Hirsch play, you know, the and the frog analogs to Grunkle Stan and Seuss, which plays right into the the theory that, and this isn't far fetched at all, that Amphibia and the Owl House all take place in the same multiverse as Gravity mm-hmm. Falls, and by extension, Rick and Morty. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! The cup. Yeah, because Gravity Falls and Rick and Morty totally exist in the same multiverse. Because why the hell not? I, um, it's all connected, Justin man. Roiland. Yeah. <laughs> I'm old man McGucket, and I and yeah, it's all connected. <laughs> it is all connected. That that's the, the fun thing about having shows like this, where all of these creators are friends. Is it's like, yeah, we can put little Easter eggs for our shows and in, uh, in, uh, in uh, other. Other shows that we work on, and our our, fr- our, our friends can put other sh- you know, Easter eggs and. 
It'd be like the creator of Vikings uh, being friends with JR with uh, George R. R. Martin and putting and putting Game of Thrones uh, teasers and Easter eggs in Vikings or something. <laughs> like you could only do this in animation. Yeah, yeah, it, it, yeah it's it's yeah, very like... similar to the kind of world building that can only happen in well, at least in live action, can only happen in like a comic book movie universe, really, or or I mm-hmm. guess also Star Wars to an extent, where you can have things show up that's like, oh, I recognize that, or uh, Kevin Smith or M Night Shyamalan, that too. Yeah, that's true. So I guess it's more common than we that we originally said, but it still is is rare to have it happen and be this good. Yeah, mm. definitely. Because there, I mean, there's a reference to the boiling aisles in Lost Legends. Hmm. Hmm. So that's cool. Yeah. So it, it it makes perfect sense that that Amphibia and the Isle House would all exist within this this multiverse which which begs the question i wonder if there was a frog mabel somewhere um the so spring stands up for Anne uh, in front of the whole town and the town's like okay fine we're not gonna we're not gonna like run around a town or anything but you know the planters the, it's like fine planters can keep an eye on her that's fine um and so they, they dragged the the defeated bug off and I think it was Wally, but one of them remarks, hey, this thing tastes really great with butter. <laughs> so it's like a lobster to them? It's like a giant deadly lobster? Just imagine the future apocalypse where the shellfish finally turn on us and fly around through the skies. I mean, we would deserve it, ultimately. Yep. For the, the stuff we put them through. Like, we put live lobster in boiling water. Yeah. This is for Venom. (laughs) (laughs) They actually, they get attacked by uh, a giant crab, I think it was later in season one. And I think Anne was like, this is making me very hungry. Yeah. Yep. But, um, but uh, the mo- the motivation for the for the for the crowd or you know the future uh, overlords is that you know uh, is that uh, they're they're uh, you know they were a loser on their planet so you know they have to uh, yeah. yeah and the final joke flying crab experiments <laughs> <laughs> hi Agatha nice to know you're listening <laughs> um. And towards the, the end of the episode, we see Anne getting settled in into the basement. And Spurg is like, oh, hey, I brought you some toys to keep you company. Oh, except I actually needed this one. And this one. And this one. And she's just <laughs> like, aww. It's such a little kid thing to do. I love yeah. it so much. It's so cute. Yeah. I love Sprig. Yeah. I, lo- I, lo- I, lo- I, love- I love all of them. They're They're great. I love them. They just it's it's the the characters as as with most of these shows they're they're just so well done, yeah. And you no, know, it, it's 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 amazing how you have a show with this kind of environment where it's like, but you still you still feel for these characters, you know, you 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 you, you laugh with them, you enjoy the emotional moments, you, you you cry with them, even in some cases. There is a 
not going to spoil anything, but there is a moment in season two where it's like, oh my God. It's, it's, oh. it's heartbreaking and it's great. And it's, oh, I love it. It's so good. Mm-hmm. But anyways, um, for anyone who's not watched the episode yet, why are you still listening to this and not watching the episode first? But anyways, mm-hmm. uh, it. what's not, uh, what we didn't mention is that Anne's two other friends got zapped into Amphibia. Because it was the three of them that opened the box together that, that mm-hmm. sent them there. Um, but they all ended up in separate locations. Including uh, and... being interrogated by Darth Maul. Yeah, um... so Sasha ended up being basically um, captured by the Toads that... I'm not entirely sure how the hierarchy works in Amphibia. I guess the Toads report to the king but then they kind of have their own jurisdiction i don't i'm not really sure honestly i don't know i feel like it's kind of sort of you know the biggest and strongest are the people that kind yeah. of exert if, their if only we had a whole series of episodes that were about nothing but like amphibia c-span where we can <laughs> really dive into the politics yeah. of the world of amphibia wouldn't that wouldn't that just be great well, Bill number 59 is going to go up to a vote and on this and then and just every now and then just Mitch McConnell's just tongue just like he's <laughs> 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 a Mitch McConnell. Oh god. Oh well we I finally mean, got the, him. The crazy home. thing is that would actually make him slightly more tolerable. Right? <laughs> I mean, at least then he'd have teeth. Mm. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, oh, the spine. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yep. Yep. And, uh, you yes. guys ever see that, um, that really horrible Jar Jar Binks lollipop? Uh, no. No, but you have my attention. There was a Jar Jar Binks push pop where it was like you were licking his tongue. Ooh. Hmm. I don't know who approved that, but I'm like, that sounds very wrong. Actually kind of reminds me of a um, one-page comic that was in uh, Star Wars magazine where Jar Jar was doing the youngling um, training with the probe, but he didn't have his lightsaber on, his hand was over his mouth, and half his tongue was draped over Master Yoda because he had chopped it off. Oh my god. That's, um, it's, um, Oh, speaking of things that are topical, um, did you guys hear about the the supposedly real lightsaber that Josh DiAmaro pulled out? Yeah. I'm um, like, so what does this mean? I hope- it means social distancing is here with a vengeance. <laughs> <laughs> I, I hope there's a license to come with that. Uh, you know, I, well, I, so only a good person with a lightsaber. See, the biggest thing that bugs me about the $200 lightsabers that they have now is that they don't retract inside the hilt at all. But it's like, how would you pull that off? My guess is they found a way to pull that off to where it looks good and still is, is you know, safe for people to use. I don't think they actually created an energy weapon. I don't think that's what happened here. Or at least we sincerely hope not. Yeah, they, I mean, it's Disney. They wouldn't create something like that. That would be such a huge legal headache. Oh, uh, they though. 
what the, mm-hmm. you know, uh, uh, I don't know. Trust me, Disney I, is all about avoiding those legal headaches. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, let's just say I trust Disney more with um, insanely powerful space laser weapon than someone like, you know, Jeff Bezos. Or Elon <laughs> oh, Musk. Oh, uh, um, uh, mm. Elon Musk is that dude, bro, that's like, hey, yo, have you heard about cryptocurrency that somehow actually became really successful? Elon Musk is Mark Beeks. Oh my god, he is. Elon Musk is a less smart, is basically Dr. Doom from the 2005 Fantastic Four movie, but but not competent. That's a deep cut for you. Yeah, I can't remember the last time I even... Yeah, no, I, I don't think I remember the last time I actually watched that movie. Yeah, I know I, I did watch it at it. some point, but it was not very good. It wasn't, hmm. no. But, um, sure beats Although I will say, Chris Evans is the human torch. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I know... Um, the documentary to the Corman doc to the Corman movie is interesting though. We'll say mm. that. Um, but that's for another time. All that's right. Well, time. do we have anything else to say about the first half of the the first episode? Honestly, I the what I feel is the biggest strength of Amphibia is that it's still a very episodic show, sort of like SpongeBob, where there's you know uh, two adventures in one episode but it's still largely um, arc-driven. Yeah. Like, there is still continuity between these adventures, but, you know, they're still, you know, bite-sized, and you can pretty much jump in whenever you want, as long as it's, you know, not where, not very close to the ending or the mid-season event. Yeah. I agree. I think it's an episodic show that's still sort of like the early, uh, sort of like season one of Gravity Falls. It's episodic, but you still need to watch it in order because things come back and things get referenced all the time. Yeah. Yeah. But it's extremely accessible to newcomers. Yeah. And Amphibia does it in half. Uh, Amphibia takes Gravity Falls and cuts that in half. Right. Which is wonderful. Yeah. Because um, Amphibia and Big City Greens are the the two shows that have actually done like fifteen minute segments as well as like like sometimes doing half hours. Whereas um, Gravity Falls and Ducktales twenty seventeen and The Owl House have all been half hours. Yeah, um, I guess it just depends on knowing okay what kind of show are we doing and how long are these stories typically going to run for. Yeah, because Amphibia you can do a, a Monster of the Week episode pretty easy. But then, obviously, for those bigger ones that are more about the character stuff, you really want to have that half hour. And even though there's some episodes that are kind of bigger emotionally that still only last 15 minutes, because it's just there's so much going on, but then you have that ending that just lands and it's perfect. Yeah. Yep. It's a really, it's a really well-made show, definitely. Yep. And is um, it just me, or do those like really sentimental endings... aren't those always kind of saved for the last episode so that it leads right into the really comforting the the really comforting uh credit scene for amphibia yes and yeah i was gonna bring that up but i was gonna bring that up later towards the end that that credit scene is just i love the vibes from it where they're just 
because it's Anne and Sprig are just outside reading and Sprig kind of falls asleep and cuddles up next to Anne and then Anne kind of um, puts the book she was reading down and blows out the candle and they're just kind of relaxed there. I'm like, oh, that's cute. Yeah. It's, yeah. yeah it, it, it really does remind you, remember, it just reminds you of those times when you, you just outside and it's twilight and it's like just having this peaceful moment mm-hmm. yeah it's like at yeah. the end of every episode i just get the urge to just go outside and catch fireflies and then yeah. i remember oh yeah i'm in california there's nothing <laughs> around here I mean, that's yeah. kind of the vibe of the whole show where it's like oh yeah it's really pretty but also it could kill you <laughs> it's i guess that's it's a little like, like california you know what it is it's very similar to pandora but i think it's way better than pandora yeah it actually has distinct characters yes <laughs> Yeah, because, yeah. well, oh, besides pre-show guy and Dr. Jackie Ogden. Yeah. Mm. And uh, you're going to uh, um, uh, um, uh, fly. Uh, um, um, all right, you um, ready? <laughs> just very um, diet Jeff Goldblum on the ride, huh? Yep. He is <laughs> diet. He, he is all the experiment. Goldblum oh. zero. <laughs> gold um, bloom zero all yeah. the gold bloom none of the taste long ago in a faraway land there was a prosperous studio run by a middle-aged ceo in an era of princesses and flashy musical numbers the studio decided to go in a different direction and thus their most unique creation was born And they called it The Emperor's New Groove. But The Emperor's New Groove is more than just one movie. There's an entire expanded Grooviverse out there, and I intend to explore it all on The Emperor's New Podcast. Hi, I'm Micah Hirsch, and I'll be your host on this whimsical journey as I'm joined by special guests to discuss every corner of this underrated franchise, from movies to television to theme parks. You can hear all about it on The Emperor's New Podcast. Available on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more. Be sure to stop by and give it a listen. And remember, beware the groove. And we're back. And we're back. Um, but then the second episode, I think this is the one I was really looking forward to talking about because there's some interesting stuff that comes up in this episode that I think is definitely worth discussing. Um, this whole episode, I. What were the episodes called, by the way? The, uh, the first one was Anner Beast. The second one was Best Franz, I believe. I think I may find my my true calling in coming up with pun names for episodes. Yes, Best Franz. I got it. Yeah, the second the second half of the episode is called Best Franz, and basically the whole plot of the episode is that Anne and Sprig decide to go um, sneak out after Hot Papa has locked them inside, which seems like a major fire hazard to me. Um, <laughs> or hazard if anything comes and tries to kill them. Yep. You know, no. any sort of yeah. monster or anything like that. But no, they'll be fine. It's, it's okay. So, Polly will be okay too, even though she's just a baby. Um, actually, that's one of my favorite things in this episode is just at the beginning. Polly comes downstairs to check on Anne with a rolling pin. <laughs> She's like, just give me an excuse to use old Doris here. 
always fear a weapon that's that is held by a complete badass named after a woman and a child. Don't and forget a child. A child. Mm. Beware of grapes with wooden mallets. Ain't that the truth? <laughs> you know, I you know uh, after uh, uh, it wasn't a good idea for uh, Maggie to watch Amphibia after being after switching to from Edgy and Scratchy. It's uh, you know. A little bit of a relax. <laughs> uh, um, Sprig is like, well, hey, since your best friends are MIA, uh, spoiler alert, we find out where one of them is at the end of this episode. Uh, why don't I be your best friend? She's like, okay, I like your moxie. You're, you're in. Let's do this. Um, and and lists off some things that best friends do. And, and Sprig is like, well, hey, we can go to the beach. That might make you feel less homesick. Um, not not the beach, but the lake, which is kind of like the beach, because Anne mentions the beach. He's like, "Well, hey, we have a lake." Um, and Hop Hop is like, "Yeah, but you guys shouldn't go outside because the the townspeople still don't know anything about Anne, so we want to take this slow." Anne completely ignores that, and they sneak out. You know, um, they're. Yeah, I, adolescence. Yeah, but the other thing that that really comes through in this episode that I think is really worth talking about is you can tell from the way that Anne talks about her quote unquote friends, specifically, uh, specifically Sasha, that and actually I, I I forgot to mention this, but there's a flashback at the beginning of the episode that shows how they got there. And it's, it's also briefly mentioned that um, if your friends want you to steal a crazy music box, you do it for them. Uh, so what, what, it, what quickly becomes obvious is that Sasha was the one that convinced her to do that. And mm -hmm. we see that we see that later that, that Sasha is very manipulative and it's, it's very obviously a toxic relationship and that, and yeah. Almost doesn't really know what a real friendship is like because she's been dealing with Sasha for so long. Yeah, her her view of friendship is kind of tainted by that, and you just kind of feel for her. You just want to give her a hug and a sandwich, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. Um, but that gets to the point where they get to the lake, and there is a sign that says "Do not swim, danger." Um, and Spring's like. Yeah, okay, this probably isn't a good idea. Let's turn back. And Anne's like, no way. Come on, friend. I thought you were my friend. And so, of course, Sprig is like, okay, fine. And and um, runs and does a cannonball. And they're having a grand old time at first. And then giant snake. It's just a great way to break up the tension of anything, you know, just throw in a giant monster attack. Of course. Um... Reminds Tenth scene where you're negotiating with old, with old um, benefactors on the freighter. Oops, Rathtar button. Oh, so there's a couple loose. things in my notes that I didn't mention. Um, so going back a little bit. So yeah, as I mentioned, locking the door with them inside is a major fire hazard. Um, mm -hmm. Sprig is like, well, hey, we could we could um, try some of Hop Hop's um, peppers for fun. So hot they'll make you wish you were dead. Uh, I'm like, well, Sprig would be great at like the ghost pepper challenge. Yeah, yeah. I'm, 
I'm from Texas. Any any pepper that hot, pfft, child's play. <laughs> I I just uh, I wonder how Sprig would uh, fare against uh, the uh, the Simpsons uh, pepper. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Um. And the book that Hop Hop is reading as he's fallen asleep with his eyes open is "So You're a Failed Actor." Uh, that does come into play um, as a as um it, it comes into play as a future plot point yes, for an does. episode, doesn't it? It all comes together. Nice. Also, I want to point out that Anne's cartoon phone is incredible. Mm-hmm. Like it can survive anything. It's like an iPhone 12 on steroids. I, I, I'm old enough you know. to remember when one of the hallmarks of iPhones was that if you dropped it, it was guaranteed to break. Mm-hmm. And now they're like, yeah, no, we made them so strong that they, they don't break for anything, basically. It's like a fusion between an iPhone and a Nokia. Yes. <laughs> yep. And mine's held up pretty well, so that's good. Uh, I, I can I can vouch for that. I haven't broken either of mine that I had. I'm probably going to upgrade to like the 13 or whatever when it comes out. So I've got the 11 mm-hmm. right now, so I'm like, I'll upgrade every two generations, I think. Yeah, I, pre- I prefer more features on mine, like a headphone jack and, you know, not a brand new charger every year. Oh, uh, well, I mean, the charger stayed the same, but I usually okay. use, like, Bluetooth headphones or whatever anyway, so. Yeah, yeah I'm also kind of depressed because at the parks, it's all Apple stuff. Apple just, just you want to get a cool, you know, Disneyland phone case, Oops, all apples. Oops, all apples. They have some Android ones, I thought. They do? Oh, wish I could find them. I think for the like the custom ones. I'm guessing Steve Jobs must have had a extremely good relationship with the parks if these if they're only selling Apple accessories. I mean Steve Jobs only gave Disney Pixar, so <laughs> yeah. Mm, yeah, true. <laughs> but where in the parks can you see things from Pixar? Other than half of California Adventure, I, uh, <laughs> part of animation resort. <laughs> I want uh, I want everybody to know when uh, when Pixar isn't in the room. I want people to say, "Where's Pixar?" <laughs> <laughs> hey, you know what California Adventure needs? Toy Story Land for sure. Actually, I feel like that would have been a better fit than Pixar Pier if they had just I mean, done Toy Story Pier. Yeah, but doesn't Toy Story Land kind of serve the same kind of function as something like Paradise Pier, where it's like, okay, we've got the roller coaster, we've got the generic rides, we've got the Toy Story Mania ride that already exists. Yeah, but the problem is, is that they're grafting that onto the already existing pier setting, so everywhere else gets you know toy story land toy story land they just have toy story pier where it's functionally the same but you know there's just oh, right but, pier I'm saying, you can... but what i'm saying is that uh um they they said oh well, we could build toy story land at the other park i'm like or uh, the the expansion of california adventure i'm like okay but why would you do that it's already you know half of if it means they're going to get rid of all the Toy Story stuff from Pixar Pier, I say good. Oh yeah, there's. I love Pixar Pier, but there's just way too much Toy Story stuff. It's like mostly Toy Story stuff, then a couple of cherry picked um, IPs, and then the Incredicoaster. Yeah. Yeah. And 
they um and uh maybe uh maybe do like a a clone i know that the um the uh what's it called the um the zoetrope has been moved because of a out of from like a museum or something like that but maybe a clone or duplicate of that zoetrope and put it back in i don't know maybe yeah yeah um um, but so Amphibia. Mm-hmm. <laughs> amphibia should be in Disney California Adventure. Yes. Ooh, a dark ride, maybe. That'd be fun. Nice. Yeah, California Adventure certainly needs another dark ride. <laughs> <laughs> um, maybe, uh, maybe it's Disney. Maybe it's like, we need to uh, steal the technology from Super Nintendo World Fast. Okay. Amphibia. Hmm. I wish, but I don't I don't see that happening sadly, unless it does really mm. well on Disney Plus. Yeah. Um, but anyways, so the snake attacks them and um it seems like Sprig decides to sacrifice himself, but then he realizes, oh, that's what he's doing. Cause the snake, of course, then starts like basically breathing fire and mm. Sprig's like, yep, I got the paint. I brought the paint peppers. <laughs> Which I love that. I think that's a great way to take care of a villain. If all, or, well, not a villain necessarily, but a monster. I think that's a great way to take care of a monster. And if only they had brought that back for later episodes. Yeah. The paint peppers. Because they'd work. Um, but then they go back home and make it look like they never left. Yep. And uh, wait, and Polly's like, You're not gonna eat us, are you? You're not even gonna try. I'm like, It's okay, Polly, sweetie. There's other things out there that are gonna try to kill you. (laughs) There's cannibals out there, too. Oh, um, so yeah, like I said, I think there's there's plenty that can be said about the whole manipulative relationship thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's probably more that could be said in the the season one finale. Mm. Yeah, the season one finale is just where everything just comes to a head with that. Yeah. It's yeah. Such such good TV. So do we, have any, do we have anything else to say about this episode? Um, let's see. Uh, it reminded me a lot of uh, the Gravity Falls, the Gobblewalker uh, episode of Gravity Falls. Yeah, kind of. Sprig is awesome. Yeah, not much else to say. Amphibia really deserves to. I know it's already doing very well, but it deserves to like take off and do so much more because it's such a good show. Yeah, and this pilot is just a great encapsulation of everything that works about the show. It just gets you on board with the characters, introduces their dynamics, and just really gets the ball rolling and makes you want to watch more. Which hey, the, any good pilot should do that. Any good pilot should do that, absolutely. All oh. right, well, I think that's going to do it for um, this episode of the podcast. Does anyone have anything they want to plug? Uh, you've probably heard my past plugs. You can always find me on my YouTube channel, dgillvids, all one word, and you'll see my you know usual happy, smiling stormtrooper self as the uh, cover picture. <laughs> and yeah, there's my. Uh, occasional gaming show d gaming 
Um, that's going to be coming back in the summer once the semester's over. Got lots of fun new plays that I've been brewing up in Overwatch lately. And of course, there's my Twitter at dgill2295. Uh, and you can always hear me yelling at movies or cartoons or whatever is on my mind lately. I've uh, most recently kind of gone ballistic on Space Jam 2, but you know. Yep. Although it's less me going ballistic on it, but more just like, you know, begrudgingly accepting, you know, yeah, this is happening. Fine. Yep. But that is a subject for another podcast. There is a, um, a fan uh, a project of a Gravity Falls fan project that, uh, that needs uh, uh, animators, uh, voice actors, and uh and yeah and editors and uh it's a gravity falls uh christmas special by uh the by the channel uh avery not avery and um uh yeah if you're interested in that go follow at avery 618 on twitter the link for the discord server is on there yeah, they sound kind of cool be sure to check them out you can follow me on twitter at starport 97 and at the youtube channel starport 97 I've got a handful of episodes of my flagship show, Theme Park Backlot, on there. And I'm still planning on doing the Disney Springs video, but that's still a ways off. Especially since I'm going to be starting a new series of vlogs that are a combination of a vlog and a scripted video. And I'm going to have a whole bunch of that coming from my upcoming road trip, so I'm very much looking forward to that. If you like this and want to hear more, be sure to subscribe. I'm on all the usual places. Google Play, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and now iHeartRadio and Audible. And of course, also Anchor, where I upload this podcast too also please leave us a review and give us five stars and share us with your friends if you liked it all of that stuff helps us out immensely in the almighty algorithm and be sure to join us next week when we talk about phineas and ferb put that putter away slash does this duckbill make me look fat we've got a very special guest lined up for that one you won't want to miss it <laughs>